New feministic legislation in California. The sales of new vehicles is collapsing in the United States. Why Eindhoven has a new case of sick making facts and the secret plot to attack Iran. This is today's episode of Half Profit. So check it out. Hofprofit.com slash podcast. Don't forget to share, like, retweet or leave your comment below. And please take a moment to review it because more reviews, more listeners. Welcome to the show. It's already Thursday and I'm excited to have you aboard. Let's begin with the... New legislation in California. They have in California something great and something new. Now, publicly traded companies have to put on a female in the board. A woman has to be a board member. It's compulsory now. So, basically, the, uh, in California they say that shareholders are not capable of determining what's best for the companies. And no matter if a woman is qualified or not, there should be a woman in. So, basically, having the ability to give birth to a kid is making you a better board member. Well, of course, I'm really opposing this terrible policy in California, and that's for an easier reason. We should talk about qualifications. I don't give a damn about the gender of someone in a board. I want to have the best accountant as a finance person in a company to invest in. Not put someone on based on the gender. And the terrible thing is that in California and more country, more areas in the world, they are moving on with all those leftist, feministic, terrible agenda, which is basically wiping out free trade and e-commerce. Well, what you see in California happening is that the state is bankrupt, the, they have huge problems, the state is li- the government and the free economy is surviving basically due to social networks and the tech industry, but with all those legislation, all those things they push on, simply they are wiping out free trade and pushing companies away. I mean, just imagine that you're a company and, you c- and there is not a f- qualified woman. So, or there is a woman on the board. Let's say that you have, you have five board members and now you're going to add two and one of those two is a woman. Well, so how it, what do you think about the idea of having a wo- woman in the board? Just because some politicians, but by the way, we are not sure if they were drunk or sober at the moment and they may pass legislation, wishes you to have one. Tell me, why not simply say, well... We want more companies, we want more trade, we want to see more things happening, and we want to see more women having the opportunity to work. Unfortunately, this is not what politicians say so. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have not a really bad news from the United States. The new vehicle sales of for autos and trucks is collapsing. And what you need to realize, in the United States, they have two centers of automotive production. You have Texas and you have Detroit. In Detroit, you have unionized uh, companies with General Motors and Ford and Chrysler. They're, and those companies, their business model, and this is something that a lot of people don't realize, their business is financing. And literally, it are financial institutions with an industrial division who makes cars. And if you look at the turnover and the profit centers, this is where the money is being made. The money is being made in the finance division. So with the new sales collapsing, it means less loans being sold. Which means, ultimately, that this system is going to collapse. And I'm always wondering why they are not simply pushing forward and making great new cars that people want. And, of course, they are doing so, but you see change in demand. At the same time, you see in Texas where BMW, Toyota and other foreign companies are producing cars. And there there is no union and their business model is basically selling cars, selling financial products and hiring people. And you see over and over again, everywhere where a union gets engaged there, people are going to get terminated and 
We saw it recently in Eindhoven where 200 people lost their job because unions went on strike. And the airliner engaged Ryanair simply said, well, we're going to shut our base there and we're going to bring the aircraft away. So that basically means 200 people unemployed thanks to the unions. Great. Well, then another great aspect why Eindhoven is a sick-making town. Imagine, you are mentally ill. So you get treatment. And you get that for 20 years. Then they finish treatment so you're cured in their opinion. Okay, so you get them home. All great. And we, we and Eindhoven, they have a great method to help you. Where they really left this uh, coalition and people and an elder man who, su who supports the ideas of Stalin. You would say, those people are going to get a nice treatment. So, they got something great. One hour or two weeks to help. This is not enough. So, you literally start a fire in your home. And uh, unfortunately, this is something that happened. So you go to an to another treatment to facility to treatment because no one wants you and well if you start at home and you fire you are seriously mentally ill. In this facility where they also treat child rapists and people who are sent by the court to get treatment, they are dealing drugs. And now I'm gonna have you an easy question: Is it just me who thinks that if you uh, for a treatment facility with mentally ill people? It is bad to trade drugs. It's a hospital financed by the Ministry of Justice. And they are... So basically, the Dutch Ministry of Justice is facilitating and or giving opportunity for illegal drugs trade. Is it just me asking tough questions about this? Is it just me saying, well, I don't think this is a great idea. I think that we need to do something else about it. We don't need to have drugs trade with people who think that child rape is normal. And these are the people are there. And unfortunately it's happening. And once again, I ask our friendly mayor to comment. And of course, he is too scared to be confronted with those facts. But oh well, that is just Eindhoven. All the listeners love to making some money, but you will have to pay tax upon your money. But that's to change. You can save on your tax. Pay no tax. Completely legal. Start earning more money so you can take care for your beloved ones. So you can travel visa free. Get yourself the tax free passport. Get yourself the starting point to a tax free lifestyle. A lifestyle which is an ultimate freedom. Hofprofit.com slash passport. I say Hofprofit.com slash passport. European Union imposed completely global covering privacy laws. So it's the highest time for you to be transparent, unless you want to pay a 20 million euro fine. And yes, the European Commission is on a witch hunt, so get ready. So check out GDRP compliance course on hofprofit.com slash GDRP. That's hofprofit.com slash GDRP. We are living in a tremendous time. Never it has become so easy to become the next millionaire. If it's become the next self-made millionaire by selling your home, or your business, or by constantly and ongoingly do, moving towards the great glorious millionership. You can do it also. It just commits hard work, training, commitment and honesty. Visit hofprofit.com millionaire for the millionaire report and join the queue on the highway to success. WordPress offers you many great opportunities to build a great website, webshop and spread your matches. If it's your blog, your, your desire to become financially independent, WordPress is there for you to help you. WordPress has many hidden, hidden features no one knows. So visit hofprofit.com slash WordPress for the WordPress training menu. Social media is here. S Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Weibo, Blogging, LinkedIn, Swan, Google+. But how to use them in your advantage? Get yourself the Social Media Export Course. 
It's the smart point to use all social media in your advantage without burning all your time. Hofprofit.com slash SMM. I say Hofprofit.com slash SMM. The Brexit is here. Article 50 is triggered. The talks are going on. Unprecedented change will happen. We know this, we know things for certain. The Brexit is a profit maker. At least if you are open for making some money. Get yourself the profitable Brexit report. It explains how the Brexit could happen, the economic fundamentals. Finally, also a few great methods to make some money on the Brexit. So, are you a profit maker? Are you someone that's open-minded when it comes to making profits? Check hofprofit.com slash Brexit. The stock markets are heading towards record height. At the same time, the government spending is at all-time high with tax revenue going to all-time low. This means only one thing can happen. The complete system is gonna collapse. Stock markets and shares, bonds, mutual funds, it's all gonna go down the drain. So get ready, prepare yourself for the upcoming collapse and check the Survive the Collapse report. Hofprofit.com slash collapse. Iran is a really interesting country. Um, it is one of the few countries in the world who stands up against the United States and against the global order. And what's interesting is it's fighting a war on different fronts. Unfortunately, I'm not allowed to enter the country due to the fact that I have two citizenships and they don't recognize Israel. And I don't like that. And you see with President Trump, there is a lot of pressure and talking about what Iran is doing. So I thought it's a great moment to have a chat about it. And therefore I got Daniel Kovalik. I'm sorry already for pronouncing the name wrong. He is author of the book, The Plot to Attack Iran. And he is writing a new book about the failure of... And he's writing a new book. And that book is about all the foreign interventions from the United States. And we had a great chat, which you will hear in a moment. And we are just talking about it. And it's interesting to see. And I really would enjoy the idea of entering Iran. And I think that I, re that, uh, and I feel sorry for the people there. Because due to the sanctions, the economy crushed. And don't get me wrong on one side. I think Ahmadinejad is a wrong leader. I mean, he basically threatened to kill Israel and that's wrong. Killing people is wrong. And unfortunately, in the most Islamic countries, if you want to become popular, then you just need to threaten Israel and that's all you have to do. And Ahmadinejad was the first of a global trend of populist, populistic leaders. So on that side, Iran was ahead of the scope. But having that said, it doesn't mean that we should simply attack the country. So. Without further delay, here is today's exclusive interview. Daniel Kovalik. Um, Thank you. Honor to have you. You wrote a book about the plot to invade and attack Iran. And how did you come to the idea of to write this book? Well, I traveled to Iran in, in the summer of 2017. And that really was my inspiration for the book. Um, I was very moved by how kind the people are and how beautiful a country it is and uh, what struck me is that the country is still intact because the US has yet to invade it uh, like so many other countries in the region and uh, so that really is what those thoughts made me think to write the book okay I must admit I unfortunately I can't enter Iran but I really want to do so I detect having two citizenships uh, and the other countries you refer to, I'm pretty sure you refer to its arch rivals, uh, Saudi Arabia and Israel, who are also ready to invade Iran? Yes, yes. Okay. But why would we all want to invade Iran? I mean, 
is it not a smarter move to simply pay them for the oil and be nice to each other? Well, that's always, you know, the question, of course. Um, I think oil is an important piece to this, but it's not the only, um, the only piece I think that, um, the U.S. and, uh, Israel, uh, and to a lesser extent Saudi Arabia are looking for, you know, hegemony in that region and see Iran as, um, an impediment to that. Iran is one of the only countries standing, um, again, intact, uh, that is resisting, um, really the U.S. plan to remake the Middle East. And what is the U.S. plan for remaking the Middle East? Well, um, that is a good question. Um, <laughs> I think it certainly wants to have compliant states throughout the region, mm-hmm. uh, which Iran is not, um, of course. It, you know, it frankly... Um, wants to get rid of any independent state in key regions again that doesn't uh, that doesn't play ball with the US and um, Iran is certainly probably the most powerful mm-hmm. state in that region and uh, the US wants to have a government in power there um, that uh, you know, that is subject to the U.S.'s wishes, or it would like to see no government at all. I mean, that's the other thing that the U.S. seems to be aiming at these days. If you look at Libya, for example, um, mm-hmm. it seems to co- be content to go into a country uh, with a strong uh, government, again, that has some independence, and just take the government out and put nothing in its place. It seems content to have chaos in some of these countries in lieu of having, uh, again, an independent state. And again, I fear that that may be on uh, on the table as well, which would be a tragic outcome uh, for Iran and, frankly, for the whole region. Yeah, and if you look at the situation in the U.S., you are an American citizen and you are allowed in one, which is... Uh great in my opinion because I think that when I would show up at the border I'm pretty sure that they would simply kick me out of the country and don't let me in but if you look at the states who are in the Middle East and what's happening there will you not see, is it not they run the plot to attack it not simply in the measures and an attempt to cover the failing of the Saudi regime well it certainly is you know, to cover the many failures, including the U.S. invasion of Iraq, which was a disaster and uh, which continues to unfold as a disaster mm-hmm. and which truthfully, you know, did empower Iran, uh, not surprisingly, given that the majority Shiites in uh, in Iraq came to power and therefore naturally uh, aligned with Iran. And then the U.S., of course, said, oh, now Iran's too powerful. We have to now invade them. You know, it's this uh, kind of whack-a-mole game that the U.S. plays. Um, but it's even more nefarious than that. I mean, the U.S. again, I think, 
sees itself as the only uh, legitimate power in the world and wants to uh, push back any country uh, that can compete with it um, in any region of the world, including Iran, mm-hmm. uh, Russia, China. You know, so the U.S. will continue to see states like those um, as a threat to its unilateral power and, and will continue to, to threaten them, if not attack them. And if we look at the attacks uh, since the Second World War, the United States sadly have lost all its wars, literally. So I can't figure out one that they have won. And the American Empire, which we're talking about, how long can the American taxpayer finance it? Because this is going to go to a big collapse sooner or later. Well, I think that is a, a big uh, question, and I think you are correct that it will lead to a collapse, maybe sooner rather than later. In fact, I was just reading an article in Newsweek yesterday. There are a number of uh, economists who think the U.S. is headed towards a collapse, uh, in large part because of both private and public debt. And the debt the U.S. has um, as a country is largely due to its um, to these wars. Um, the wars after 9-11 have cost American taxpayers somewhere around $6 trillion, uh, which is a grotesque amount of money for wars that, as you say, at least on their face, appear to have been lost uh, ventures. Um, though I'm not sure that everyone in the U.S. sees it that way. I'm sure not. I'm sure not. <laughs> uh, again, you know, I was reading a, a, an interesting article the other day on global research. Um, and, you know, one guy uh, I was reading, and I'm forgetting his name, but he theorized that the goal of these wars is not to win them. The goal is to just continue to fight the wars uh, as a means to continue to enrich, you know, the companies uh, uh, that make weapons and the companies that are paid to service the U.S. military during a conflict, to rebuild after a conflict. So that, that in fact, you know, there is some rationality to uh, uh, to uh, for some people to fighting these wars just continuously to, to no particular end and that's a pretty scary idea you know I mean to, to the idea that that people see profit in eternal war but I think that is something that's going on there and again another reason why I think there's uh powerful forces that are content with chaos in places like Libya because again for some that sort of chaos is good for business oh yeah definitely there I can follow the mindset it's just sick making that you are valuing peoples and who literally you say them get shot die for my profit margin it's just sick making in my opinion but that's only well of course (laughs) And it's mm-hmm. not just killing people. It is. It's destroying whole cultures. Mm-hmm. It's destroying the environment. 
you know, the U.S. military uh, creates more CO2 than any nation state. Um, the war is a nasty business. Um, but unfortunately, you know, they used to say the business of the U.S. is business. And unfortunately, now the business of the U.S. seems to be war. And that is, uh, it's disgusting. Um, and, uh, it needs to stop. And, and, and it's only Americans really who can, who can be the ones to stop that. Yeah, okay. And what should be done to stop it? I mean, both parts, Obama, well, we need Obama was a Democrat and he started the wars in Syria and the Arabic Revolution. Trump is so-called Republican and he is throwing the biggest bomb ever on Afghanistan. So I don't think he well, both. Yeah, well, certainly I agree with you that neither that there's that there is a bipartisan uh, commitment to these wars, mm -hmm. both the Democrats and Republicans. And, you know, there needs to be an independent peace movement in the U.S., as there was in the 60s and 70s. And really, you know, up till up till to about 2003, um, that says no to war, no matter who's in power, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that is going to be critical. That's going to be tough to get off. I mean, if you have to fight against both political parties then you're missing strategic alliances. Well, it's difficult. Again, I think the, in the 60s, you saw that that did happen, that you had a peace movement willing to take on President Lyndon Johnson, right? Mm -hmm. um, because they found the Vietnam War so reprehensible. And uh, we need that sort of commitment today. Okay. Then if you take it to a step back to Iran... You said that the country is still functioning. Well, most of the trade is made illegal, and almost everyone is having putting, at least the U.S. has heavy sanctions on the country, making it impossible to simply wire money in or out, for example. How can they still how can they still keep going? Well, that's a good question. Again, the goal is to stop them from from uh, continuing their economy. The goal of these sanctions, which which are illegal, by the way. Um, is to undermine the economy to such an extent that people will uh, choose regime change over, you know, uh, uh, a failed economy. Which, if you look at the economy, they are having, the sanctions are having quite some success. I mean, all the stats that I see from Iran, it's terrible from an economic perspective. Yes, they. I think they are effective to the extent of of crippling the Iranian economy, the question is whether they'll be effective in there in there by uh, effectuating regime change. That remains to be seen, but that certainly is the goal here, and it's a very cruel goal because what it is is uh, it's really a form of terrorism. It's economic terrorism, you know, because the goal is to uh, uh, to put pressure on the people. Mm -hmm. um, essentially to starve them out in order to force them to make political change that is you know the definition of of terrorism um and it's quite cruel oh definitely it's cruel it's just not only cruel it's also sick making and also that you look so 
why is United States and not other going after the United Arab Emirates, which is basically Iran's biggest ally? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll go after them next, but the you know uh, United Arab Emirates is not. Uh, is ideological is Iran and it's not as strong as Iran I mean I think the US for a long time has seen Iran as the big prize oh. in the Middle East because you know it's it, it, it's the 17th largest country in the world it has 80 million people um, it is a major power in a way that the, that the Emirates is not um, the Emirates doesn't present any Ability to to challenge um, the U.S. or Israel or, or anyone else in any mm -hmm. significant way. Okay, I just asked it because most of the trade from Iran literally goes over Dubai, and there was a few years ago in this newspaper an interesting article that said that the United Arab Emirates bought oil from Iran to refine it to power fighter jets of the American army. There was. Interesting to see how the things go. That's also the non-working yeah, sanctions. Yeah, and again, I'm I, I have no doubt that the U.S. will try to put a stop to that somehow. Then it will be interesting to see how they are doing it because that's all right. So, what's the role of Israel in this in this complete thing? And for full compliance, I hold next to a Dutch also an Israeli passport. <laughs> Just being open and honest. Well. <laughs> Sure, sure. Well, I think Israel, as we see, and you know, Netanyahu is very much pushing the U.S. Uh, into a conflict with Iran, uh, if it needed any pushing. But certainly, Netanyahu sees Iran. Well, it is said it sees Iran as an existential threat to Israel, mm -hmm. which I don't think it is. But I, I, I think Netanyahu. Um, believes that and 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 given that uh that is motivating his desire to uh either uh you know wipe uh iran out or change the regime or undermine it to a point that it really can't you know again present any um any challenge to israel um in in the region so israel's definitely um Behind the move to intervene in Iran, and of course, as we know, Israel has been attacking tar Iranian targets in Syria. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that the Israeli army launched over 600 rockets into uh, Syria. Yes, and ma many aimed at Iranian targets. And again, I huh? think it's a very provocative move, and I think part of it is, you know, I think they really want to provoke Iran to make a move that would 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 result in in uh, the US coming in to intervene and do you think that the Iranian leaders are going to get provoked into something like this or will we just see a false flag and get a war well I don't know I mean uh, I, I do think I think that obviously there are people, rational people in both Israel and the U.S. who know that a war with Iran would be quite devastating, quite costly in terms of lives, in terms of treasure. And so, you know, the question is whether those rational minds will prevail here. Um, I do think 
that probably the U.S. and Israel would like to see uh, a regime change happen in Iran short of, you know, a full-scale military intervention. Um, but I think we're slowly moving towards that type of intervention. So um, we'll have to see. And again, I think one factor that has to be there is that people um, make it clear they don't want that sort of intervention in Iran. Mm -hmm. And if we look at, the, 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 I always say the Middle East is one big war likely to happen with almost everyone hating each other. How do you see is the alliance between Saudi Arabia and Israel against Syria and Iran? Is it just a temporary one or more an strategic relation that could fulfill and live a longer time yeah I, I i it's an interesting question i mean um obviously you know, from a religious point of view and a um, philosophical point of view saudi arabia and israel have very little in common mm -hmm. um it does seem to be a marriage of convenience for both of them um and in fact you know, it's not a complete alliance, you know, because Saudi Arabia does support um, uh, some of these jihadist groups that themselves are very, um, you know, oppositional towards Israel, to say the least. Understatement of the year. Um, yes. So we shall see how that alliance maintains itself again it seems like for the foreseeable future it will but it does seem like one that that is out of convenience and out of, not out of any sort of uh true commitment um to the other country i ask it because just over one year now i have two citizenships and if you just look at the list of countries you can't get in with an israeli citizenship it's a long list and Saudi arabia is also on it so it's a bit like you don't recognize the country, but you have joint military interest and all you work together. Yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting. I mean, I mean, the other, you know, the alliance between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia is bizarre as well. I mean, we know that, Definitely. you know, Saudi Arabia, uh, again, uh, has backed Al Qaeda, which attacked the United mm -hmm. States on its own soil. Yeah. Um, and yet again, that has not prevented the U.S. from partnering with Saudi Arabia time and time again. Uh, again, ironically, against states like Iraq, Saddam Hussein's uh, Iraq mm -hmm. or Gaddafi's Libya that were against al-Qaeda, right? Iran is ideologically opposed to al-Qaeda. And yet we're partnering with Saudi Arabia to attack those countries. It's a very strange alliance, uh, one that makes no sense from a purely national security point of view, um, but makes sense, I guess, to those who have other aspirations besides national security. Okay, yeah, now, so what we see at the Middle East is, with all the states gone, and all the chaos is everywhere where it was in, could you not say that Iran, the UAE, and Saudi Arabia and Israel are the last bastions of relative stability in the U in the Middle East. And how long could it go on with the problems in Saudi Arabia, economic problems in Iran? Well, it's a good question. I don't know. Um, 
I, I fear that it can't go on for a lot longer and that, you know, mm-hmm. that the region is hurtling towards, you know, an instability, you know, bordering on chaos, which I don't think most, you know, well-intentioned people should welcome. But but it does seem uh, that that is where it's being pushed towards. And uh, it's quite it's quite uh, frightening, really. Um, that 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 we're moving in that direction. Yeah, well, it is. When especially that all the chaos, it will cost a lot of money. Will, people will get killed. People get wounded. And for what? I mean, what is the beginning? Well, that's the thing. I mean, yeah. at the beginning of the revolution of the uh, change to Khomeini in Iran, Israel and Iran even work together. So. Yes, just, for some time. Just get with each other. Any- don't kill each other. Respect the differences and. Have fun, I would say at least. Yeah. Well, again, I th- I think that's always I think that is a possibility. I think I think there's no reason that these countries can't uh, get along, except that again, there's um, you know there's this really will to power that the U.S. has, mm-hmm. and Israel has as well that prevents that. You know that they see an opportunity for greater control and. Uh, uh, they they seem willing to do almost anything to gain it. Oh, definitely. And to have a look at the situation of Iraq and Iran, because you could almost say that Iraq is a province or a state within Iran, with all the leadership that it gained control over. And where will the country head to? I mean, the economy is going terrible, sanctions are... Crushed, uh, Europe failed to get a unit, get a deal together to save Iran. So basically, it said we will support Trump and let you rot in hell. Unfortunately, where will it go to? Yes, yeah. Well, again, I I fear that it's going to. We're going to see a lot of suffering of people in in Iran, and um, maybe a potentially a large migration. Um, which we've seen in other countries um, in the region again, from Syria, for example. Um, it's not it's not a pretty um, uh, prognosis, uh, I think, at this point, because of these sanctions. And again, I think I think uh, you know we need an anti-war movement that not only opposes you know military war, but also economic war in the form of sanctions. These sanctions can be as deadly as any military intervention, you know, and I think people are, you know, uh, reluctant to see that. Mm-hmm. So, as an American citizen, where do you see the change happening? We need an anti-war, anti-war movement, which is getting back together a little bit, but... Yes, it is. In fact, there's a big uh, march on Washington that's being uh, planned for October 21st, a women's march on the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely see more foment in this country um, in general, but also um, uh, foment against uh, this sort of militarism. And so that needs to be built on. It's uh, it, you know, uh, I'm not Pollyannish to say it's going to happen overnight, but mm-hmm. but that it needs to be something um, uh, 
that's built. And, and again, it's really up to the U.S. citizens to do that. I mean, I, I believe that the U.S. is the greatest threat to, to world peace. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's up to people in this country to change that, to change the nature of who we are and, and, and how we relate to the rest of the world. Okay. And so there was a really interesting march. I didn't know about it. I should check it out. And are there any final comments you'll have to make, make on Iran and it, the plot to attack this country? Well, just that, you know, my perception, well, it's not just my perception. I mean, that Iran needs to be recognized as as, as a, uh, one of the, frankly, only historic countries in the Middle East. You know, most of the countries that we see now were made, you know, through colonialization. Iran has existed as a single state. For many centuries, it is a an ancient country, an ancient civilization. Um, it is uh, very advanced in many ways, intellectually, culturally, um, and it deserves to exist. and And, and it needs um, it really needs to be protected as 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 a civilization. And and it it would be a tragedy if. Uh, if there was a military intervention that that destroyed you know that those centuries long traditions in in that country and uh, again i think it's up to the people of the west and particularly the people of the us to take responsibility um, to stop that next war against iran sounds like something uh, really great to do to just let people live their life Yes, okay. and and look, I don't and I don't see Iran as a threat. I think the Iranian people, you know, they do just want to exist. You know, that's the other thing. I think Iran would be happy if it could just exist uh, peacefully, and I think that they deserve that. Well, that sounds not as a too tough demand to have just the right to exist and be yourself, and just when they allow people with two sit, when they would allow me in with a Dutch or Israeli passport, I will be more than happy to pull by. <laughs> <laughs> but the second passport makes it it's problematic at the border I'm afraid <laughs> as most countries in the Middle East basically uh, okay where can we find some more information about you well I write a lot on counterpunch uh, dot uh, org you can find me I have uh, as you mentioned uh, the book The Plot to Attack Iran I have a new book coming out The Plot to Control the World about U.S. uh, intervention in foreign uh, elections. Um, And that's coming out November 6th. You can find these books on Amazon, uh, through Barnes & Noble, and many independent bookstores uh, as well. Of course, I will will place in the the show note pages a link to the Amazon page of your book. Oh, great. And the new book sounds interesting. If you're interested in not doing an interview, you're hereby invited. I would like that. I would like that very much. We're going to fix that. Okay, then I would Great. thank you for your time. Well, what a chance. What do you think about it? I mean, should Iran, uh, the people of Iran have a chance and just be allowed to be a country and respect their, uh, their really old historical cultures? Or should 
it being invaded. Uh, anyway, let me know. Uh, personally, I think that we should allow it, but it's time that in the complete Middle East we can start talking peace and respecting each other. To give you an idea about respecting Israel and Saudi Arabia, have a military partnership in Syria, but if El Al wanna fly over Saudi Arabia airspace, it's not allowed. So I think that it's just time and what we need to realize in the Middle East there are people living there. So we can talk about invading, but let's look at Libya. Okay, it's not the Middle East, it's North Africa, failure. Iraq, failure. And unfortunately, I think that well, what I think that's gonna happen sooner or later in the Middle East is that the House of Saud will fail and collapse. Iran will take control over the oil, Saudi Arabia oil fields. And then we're going to get an interesting perspective to see what Netanyahu will do. Because he's the only one who can, only army that can do something. And it's just having a chat and see. I really hope that it will result in peace. And to be clear, extremely transparent, when the next election is rather and I'm allowed to vote, I'm pretty sure I'm going to vote on Netanyahu because he was the guy who gave me a citizenship. At the moment I had really big issues with Mayor Yorosma and he thought it was a great move to send armed people to ask a lot of questions about me to everyone, but not as to me. They came to a rescue and he, he bought it. So on that side. It's just there. Um, with that, I'm going to end it for today. Um, I look forward to hearing back to you. Uh, please let me know what you think about it. I look forward to hearing from you. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Cheers. Hey, it's Lodewijk. I'm really happy that you took the time to listen this moment to my podcast. I'm honored. I'm pleased with it. And I respect your choice for your life. Because you made a choice. You made a choice for success. But please keep a few moments for yourself. First of all, this is a disclaimer, so it's all the legal stuff. But for any penny you invest, please take the time. Take as much time that you make that you need to make the money to invest before you invest. And literally go sit go from your desk by wherever you're gonna make the investments. Wherever you're gonna do it. You're gonna stand up and stand up and look at that empty share and just ask yourself five five questions five terrible questions about the investment decisions you're gonna make it's your money so be wise with it the information in this podcast is not intended to be true it's not to be it's not an advice we don't sell or recommend anything we just talk it's general information and please and from the deepest of my heart, I mean, it means a lot to me that you are listening to the show. But please, just treat your money smartly. You're here because you want to get ahead of life, not you because you want to lose. So take your time. You're no profit makers are decision makers, but decision makers and especially profitable and decision makers are informed decision makers so let's go and let's move a step ahead one tiny baby step at a time we are profitable decision makers